Hey, everyone. My co-host for the day is the wonderful and incredibly funny Timothy Simons, who played one of my very favorite characters on one of my very favorite shows, Veep. After Timothy entertains me with a crazy story about raccoons, we catch up and share some slightly less crazy stories before reaching out to listeners. Our first call is with Donna, who is moving on from a divorce and wanting suggestions on how to meet people these days. Next, we talk with Amber, who questions why her friends take so long to respond to messages despite being glued to their phones. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, please look for the link at unqualified.com. I would love to hear from you. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad to see you too. How's it going? Great. I feel like now we should lead with the raccoon story. <laughs> we started talking about raccoons and we were talking about how great they are. And that reminded me that my friend, Phil, who lives up the street, he lives like on a hill and his wife's name is Jill. So it's Phil and Jill who live up the hill. He's out on his balcony and there's this tree that's about eye level, but it's like 30 feet up off the ground. And it's like late at night, he's having a glass of wine, he's trying to relax. And there are these two raccoons out on a branch of this tree, like 30 feet in the air, but at his eye level, like right there. And it's just two raccoons fucking on this branch, 30 feet in the air, like 10 feet away from him. And so he gets out his phone, of course, because he's like, well, I'm going to record this and send this to all my friends. And then this third raccoon comes out on the branch no. to, try, to try to get involved. And it's like, yes, this is my scene. Like, I'm getting involved with this. But that's too much weight for the branch. Oh my so the branch starts to break. But all the raccoons start screaming and trying to grab onto the branch that's falling until it finally gives. And all of the raccoons just fall 30 feet and just completely eat shit and start screaming and running away, like, into the night. Oh, my God. This sounds hyperbolic. But when he sent this to me and like we have like a text thread with all the families that live on our block that we're close with, I think it was the best night of all of our lives. <laughs> and like we have kids, we all have kids without qualification. And I'm saying that it includes the day that my kids were born. <laughs> this was better than that. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm -hmm. It really does. Oh, thank you. Having given birth before. But <laughs> what does a raccoon scream sound like? I think it's kind of like a, yeah, it's sort of like a, it has like a sort of high pitched, like, it's not like the sort of Taylor Swift goat human <laughs> scream. It's not scary. I mean, it's pretty funny. That's amazing. I didn't know they were into threesomes. I don't recommend that for most relationships, quite frankly, but. <laughs> I really want like one of the callers to be like, I'm kind of interested in threesomes and you're just like, look. Here's yeah. a really good example of why you shouldn't do this. Yeah. You're going to end up in a branch and you're going to eat shit from 30 feet and it's not going to be good. And they'll have <gasps> no idea you're talking about raccoons. Actually, like, I could see why that was a highlight of maybe the last couple of years for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely the last couple of years. I was going to ask you about twins. Oh, yeah, do it. What is that experience like? I was worried about having twins. I had a hard time getting pregnant, so I was on a hormone-boosting medication, and apparently that increases your likelihood of having twins. Oh, okay. 
And I wanted to be able to control my child. I was worried that they would have like a same mind. They would team up against me. They would have like a secret language. What's it like? Is it like that? <laughs> it's not because we had paternal twins. Were you on Clomid? Yes. Yes, there I was. There we go. Yes. Nice. Timothy. <laughs> I remember this from like all the kitchen injections we had to oh. do. No, we, we had a hard time getting pregnant as well. So we like did IVF. So the twins thing itself wasn't a shock because we like put two in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. I think that's the term the doctor used. It's almost 10 years ago now, but I remember he was just like, we're going to put two in there. And it's like, I think there should be a more technical term for that. And he's like, nope, that's what all the doctors got together <laughs> and came up with. So it wasn't a shock, but having twins is, we can preface it all with, it's great and it's beautiful. They are fraternal twins. It's a boy and a girl. Hopper and Marty. Hopper and Marty. So they don't have that sort of like secret twin language that you hear about. You know what I mean? Yeah. They are really more like siblings who just happen to be born at the same time. They basically have any other brother-sister relationship. It's just that they were born at the same time. So the positives of that are, you know, one's not older. So one's not like looking at the other one being like, I don't want to do that baby stuff. Like they're into the same stuff at the same time, which helps. An unfortunate part about it is that, and this is something I've been kind of like, as they're a little bit older now, you never really get special quiet time with them, especially when they're really young. Like a successful day is not like a beautiful connection between your kids. Most days it's just like, did we manage? That seems like just normal parenting. Uh, yeah, no, it is. I think I just remember like when they were really young, when they were like two, three, I would like see other parents with one kid and they'd be able to like sit down and like read a book and focus on like that kid and just reading a book, you know, right. and this is like just people with one kid, you know, if they had another baby that obviously changed. But like, I remember just being like, even the times that I would attempt to do that, just like, I'm going to sit down and just read a book with Hopper your gaze always ends up in the middle of the book, like looking around just to make sure that that other one's okay. That makes total sense. You have one, right? Yeah. And now I have two stepchildren that are teenagers. Whoa. Yeah. How's that going? It's awesome. They're great. They're all really great together. And it's been really rewarding for me. The oldest is 18, and she's brilliant and applying to college. The now middle one is 15, and he's so sweet and really tall. <laughs> he's like 6'2", yeah. and he's a freshman. So, you know, figuring out all that stuff. I couldn't imagine going to high school here. My high school experience was pretty shitty anyway. Yeah. I mean, like most everybody, I think. Yeah. What was yours like? Oh, shitty. I think that I was at a D plus C minus in terms of like my social grade, mm -hmm. <laughs> my social class level, somewhere in there. How would you rank yours? I would say I was a solid B minus. Every once in a while, I might creep up from there. But I think I was a consistent B minus. And I think I was helped that I went to like sort of a hippie high school in Maine that had like, especially for the time, like a somewhat progressive ideology. And it was a pretty small school in a rural area. So I think I did benefit from that, that like the close knit community, you couldn't get too far down a wrong path. 
in the school before somebody would head it off at the pass. And all of a sudden you were in like a, a guidance counselor meeting, like nobody really got lost, which was a wonderful thing. That is amazing. That is unique. Yes. And Timothy, since this is a show about relationships, can I ask you, did you have a girlfriend or how old were you when you first fell in love? I mean, that was not really my scene. Like I was not popular in that I was very funny. I feel like I got along well with a lot of people, but I was not somebody that anybody was interested particularly in dating. I think my first girlfriend was my senior year of high school, and we met doing Fame, the musical. I played the acting teacher whose name I can't remember, and I didn't really know how those things worked. And I think I just sort of offhandedly said, like, she was having a moment of insecurity about something, and I don't know anything. And she was like, I don't really know if you like me. I was like, what are you talking about? I love you. And then like that, of course, became a big thing. And then somebody came over to talk to me. It's like, wow, that's a really big step you made. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. Why did did it freak her out? Yeah. I mean, she was like, oh, that must be true. You know what I mean? Like, I think we were just like stupid and we didn't know what was happening. And I certainly was stupid and didn't know what was happening. So really just kind of rolled with that for like three months of just like, oh, yeah, no, definitely. That's how I meant it. I was not. I was conflict averse. And then broke up with her in a very terrible way on a school New York theater trip, like on the way to New York for the weekend. I was like, I don't think this is going to work out. Terrible timing. Yeah. Or maybe great timing. I had a great weekend. Speaking of heartbreak, though, have you had your heart broken? I'm now an old cynic. Yes. But I think that the reason that I sort of hesitate with that is that now as an old cynic, I look back on it. I'm like, yeah, wow, my heart was broken. But I also am just like, "Ah, man, that wasn't anybody's fault but my own. You know what I mean? Like, I think I at the time when my heart was broken, I put a lot of blame on the other person. And looking back, I was like, oh, you just made a bunch of dumbass decisions and ignored a bunch of things that really led you there. Like, you know what I mean? Like you could have been Does that make sense at all? It does make sense. How old were you when you kind of went through this? Oh, I was 27. I think it was like that. A lot of people have that, that sort of like late 20s. You think this might be, it's almost like a dress rehearsal for an actual adult relationship where it's like, we're not just like college dating anymore. This was somewhat serious and it didn't work out. And you know, like I do. I totally know. I mean, I ended up marrying that person and then we got divorced. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it felt like in hindsight. It felt like, oh, that was a dress rehearsal that ended up being pretty expensive. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a consideration at the time. Like when we separated, it was like we divided up our valuables. It'd be like, well, who gets the air conditioner that the person that left in this apartment when we moved in, like who gets that? Right. Like maybe it'll work someday. That was the only thing that we had to split. Did you break up with her? No, I was very much broken up with. And did it come as a shock? It shouldn't have, but I let it come as a shock. Do you mind my asking, do you think that you sort of maybe unconsciously pushed her away? I did realize and I suppose this might be a lesson that I need to take because I remember we were having a conversation one time and I remember she brought up, there was like this one night that I thought was awesome where we're like me and her roommates, we all like laid on the floor and like listened to records. And like months later, she was like, you know, you just had such a terrible time that night. And I just like, you just don't know how to have fun. I was like, what are you talking about? I had such a great time. And I realized that there are times where I'm having a good time, but that's not what my face looks like. 
you know, and that is kind of a joke story, but I do think that there was something to that in that I'm not great at like actually like showing or speaking or emoting in situations that I'm enjoying. And if somebody asks me if I'm enjoying something, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm having a great time. And then it just seems like I'm not. And then it gets the, the more you say that you are, the less it sounds like you are. I mean, like, I think ultimately in this relationship, it was just like we got together when she had a boyfriend and it was like a very young thing. We both made very young decisions and it was a bad decision. And I put too much on it and I put too much on it way too quick in a way that I don't think they were interested in. But then also they were doing the thing of like, well, let's just see where it goes. And I was just like, I'm good. Let's just do this. And so I think they worked very hard to not have it be a thing. I don't think they really wanted to be there the whole time. And late 20s is particularly difficult in our industry. For me, it felt like I just wanted that part of my life settled. I think Mm -hmm. there was so much uncertainty moving from, you know, job to job, trying to get work all the time, like really having my foot on the accelerator in that way. So I just wanted that part kind of put to bed. And I think that a lot of people, like when we talk to our listeners, I think a lot of people in their late 20s feel the pressure to be decisive about their partner. Right. You know, it's a vulnerable time in life, I think, late. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So how did you get over it then? If it came as a shock to you, was it like a gut punch? Oh yeah, no, it was bad. It was bad. Did you try to get back together with her? No. No, I ended up like it was one of those ones where I think you just look back and you're like, oh, man, I made decisions that I shouldn't have in order to somehow try to make this work. Like I bent over backwards to make sure that this person would never leave. It wasn't a good relationship. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I think I like turned stuff down because I was like, well, I didn't want to be away. Yeah, I just didn't want to be away because that meant I would be away. And look again, like I don't want to put it all on them. Like, I also don't think that I was a great boyfriend, but um And I think she was also like pretty popular, like somebody that people sort of gravitated to. And I think there was also like a sense of jealousy with that. And like, especially the way that we got together, not being very secure that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And how long have you been married now? 13 and a half years. How did you meet your wife? We met in Chicago. We met through my friends, Kingsley and Jody was a guy that I worked for who was like a technical director. He's a writer. He was living in L.A. and he and his wife moved back to Chicago. They had gotten sick of L.A. and they moved back to Chicago. And I met him working on like set crews for plays. And she was in a fundraiser play with my wife, who was an actress in college. But the life is not for her. Like, you know what I mean? Like that thing, like the nothing's ever settled. Everything is chaotic. Like that's not her deal. So by the time we met, she had gone back to school and she was in her first year teaching. She was running the theater department at a school on the south side of Chicago and was in a fundraiser with my friend Kingsley's wife. 
And I was told to come to a party because I, you know, nine months previous had gotten out of this bad relationship and they were like, just come to this party. It's going to be great. Like there'll be like cute girls. They're just like, come by. I know whatever, like it's not going to be a big deal. And then me and my best friend showed up and every single person there was married except for what was clearly someone I was (laughs) being set up with. And I think we both were like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? But then we just kind of hit it off, and I think we both just eye-rolled at each other, like, fuck off with this setting us up. And then, like, three weeks later, they had another party, and I think we both checked in, like, yo, are they going to be there? (laughs) You know what I mean? I love that. You seem like a really pragmatic person, sort of even-keeled, you know, straightforward. I'm just trying to sum you up in a few words. Would you describe your wife as having a similar personality? I don't think either one of us is somebody that minces words. And again, I think this probably goes back to like, this is a conversation that we have a fair amount about that I probably should mince words every once in a while. I feel like I've been told a few times that I could probably deliver information maybe in a more gentle way sometimes. You're going to be great with the callers. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are. You are going to be great because you're wonderful. Sometimes to a fault, we can be very direct. I've talked sort of at great length about like, I think our kids were born under similar circumstances, like very early. And there's that very natural thing, I think, to want to make sure that they are physically safe after going through that. And so I think that led to us holding on a little bit too long to that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Timothy, do you mind my asking, were they in the NICU? Yeah, they were in there for like two and a half months. Yeah. Jack was in there for a little over a month. I mean, it's it's the worst. It's the worst thing. I don't know if you guys had this, but there were like some days where we would go in and like, you know, it was like, okay, we're going to scrub in and we're going to hold the babies. And then we take them out of the thing and you'd like try to do like the kangaroo care or whatever. Yep. And like the monitors would stop going. Sometimes uh, yep. it was like just too much. And you had to like let go of the fact that you couldn't do it in that moment. Being there for so long, I would get pangs of jealousy watching other parents leave with their babies. Oh, yeah. And there was also tragedy and heartbreak. You're just holding your breath the whole time. And if your experience was like mine, and rightfully so, the nurses and doctors gave us like kind of zero indication. It's crazy. Like the indication of when they're going to go home. Yeah. 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 Like after a while, I kind of stopped, you know, even searching for any like... Hey, so, yeah, so <laughs> should I be buying sheets? Like what's yeah. the, what's going on? Yeah. Did it also happen to you? Like they really gave us no indication until all of a sudden it was kind of time to go. Yes. Yeah. It was just like one day they were like, yeah, we really don't know. And then the next day they came in and they were like, Hopper's going to go home tomorrow and Marty will have to be in here probably another week. And then the next day they were like, they're both going home. Like, and we're just like, shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, We're uh, very prepared for that. Totally. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about how your marriage sort of survived that time. Oh, God, I don't know. I would say that the whole experience brought Chris and I closer for a while. He was really supportive. Yeah. You also just focus on, like, the here and now. And it's like, okay, uh, we are now leaving the hospital. Do you... Do you want to go get Mexican? Yes. Like, it took a while to sort of, like, de-stress from that time. I don't know how it did. I just think that 
I mean, like we now like go see a relationship therapist and stuff. I feel like a lot of people do that. And so that helps. But I mean, I think at the time it was just like, put your head down and get through it. Like in that way of just like, it was so focused on them that we weren't really thinking about it, which I know saying that out loud probably doesn't sound super helpful. No, because I totally understand. You're just dealing with the practicalities of daily life on an intense level. It almost seemed like that was like a luxury that we just didn't really have. Yeah. And we also, again, like, because this is us, we figured out that like at the beginning, like basically I had to leave the set of Veep the first season. I had to like leave about a week early. She had gone into the hospital and I left in the middle of the seventh episode out of eight. I was just like, all right, well, I'm leaving Baltimore and I'm going back to L.A. And apparently these kids are going to be born in 24 hours. Then like, you know, two weeks in the hospital, she gets released. I go back. Oh. I film whatever was left from episode seven. They rewrote episode eight so that I kind of wasn't in it. If you ever go back and like rewatch episode eight, like I'm really not in it. And that's because like I went back to Baltimore, worked one day, went out and had dinner with everybody that night. And by that night, Annie had gone back into the hospital. She was home for like a day and a half and was like, I don't feel good. Went back into the hospital. I flew back to L.A. I landed like noon on Sunday and the kids were born at midnight. So. I guess like the good news was I was just off of a job. I didn't need to be anywhere. And it was just the two of us dealing with the NICU. And it was just the two of us once the kids came home for like four months. That was all we did. That's what we focused on. And I was in the position where I could, which was nice. But that was also like, yeah, there were only the practicalities in that first little bit, especially with the two. I remember watching new parents come in. They had the same shell shock. Oh, like just ran into a wall look that I must have also had for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was also interesting because like all walks of life have mm-hmm. this commonality that is just terrifying. Timothy, thank you for talking about this. There is always a thing. There's always like a shorthand that I feel like you have with people when you're like, oh, your kid was in the NICU for a long time. Like there is a shorthand yep. there that you just immediately get to like go to like, uh, oh, you know what this very specific thing is like. Yeah. Okay, let's talk to Donna first. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Donna. Hi, Donna. 
Hi. Donna, will you tell us what's going on? Thank you for your letter. No, thank you for taking a moment to read it. Yeah. So a few years ago, just as COVID hit, a divorce happened in my life. Wonderful timing. Yes. I took COVID as the perfect time to get away from the coupleship is what I call it. Um, But it's like, I'm ready to go out and just meet people again. But there's a lot of issues lingering, i.e., you know, trust issues. And then during that time, one of my co-workers was constantly on the apps and literally getting catfished like every couple of days. We had to Google image search people and stupid, ridiculous things that you just say. I'm just like, girl, this dude's not real. This dude's not real. (laughs) Oh, the dating app world is a total mystery to me. And we talked to a lot of people about it. Will you tell us, if you don't mind, Donna, a little bit about your divorce? Is that all right? Well, it's still what we call in the process. I moved halfway across the country just so he can't like just show up at my house anymore because he decided to leave us and now he wants to come back. And yeah, it's still at that place where he's trying to reconcile. Yes. He decided to leave us, me and my family said, bye, that's it. We're done. Then give it six months or so. And that's like, I should have never done that. Let's get back together. And I'm like, dude, no, Mm. (laughs) you can't just up and move in with someone else and then go, let's get back together. No. Well, congratulations for being decisive and strong and going through divorce. I mean, I've been there. I read the book, (laughs) 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 but yeah, so I mean, I understand and it's just been rough. How long were you guys married for? Let's just say a really long time to the point that it really kind of sideswiped me. I mean, there's always like hints and things that I can look back now and go, yes, yes. I knew that was going on. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like Benedict Cumberbatch on Sherlock. You know what I mean? Like when all those like things are coming up and you find like the puzzle all fits. I'm a big fan of the big move, getaway, clean break, no contact thing because it does I think this is, a again, a total guess, but I'm assuming what the, your ex found out when they got out into chaos was that chaos isn't fun and then they wanted familiarity. But a big clean break, while chaotic, maybe moves it through faster, or at least it did for me. The clean break was like, it's almost just like gone succession when he hyper decants his wine. You're basically hyper decanting all the post-breakup stuff. And so I'm a big fan of that move of like, this is what's best, a clean break, like a long way away. Personally, I think that's a great move. Yeah, it was. (laughs) And because so many couples do the half-life relationships, like after the initial break, you know, people will get back together for like half of the amount of time that they were together. But Donna, that must have been like, you're already going through this tumultuous time and a time when everyone is reflecting. And so you had that like concentrated. Yes, (laughs) it was. In Texas, it's varied, but Washington, we're definitely closed off and work from home, talk to people from home all day. It's really odd. So you haven't been having any luck with the dating apps? No, no. And I have people that swear by them. My brother met his wife on stuff like that. My son met his wife on stuff like that. So... (laughs) 
Okay, Timothy, how does Donna meet her guys? Take this with a grain of salt because I've never been in the dating app world. I mean, like, it seems like that is just the way the world works now. And But if you don't want to do that, you know what? Fuck it. You don't have to. <laughs> You're writing your own rules right now. So this is something that I saw happening throughout the entire pandemic that I thought was pretty fun that had nothing to do with relationships, which was when everybody's going to die. Why would you not just enjoy the things you enjoy? And so everybody really doubled down on the nerdy shit that they liked. And that like, I have a cousin who got real into like building model airplanes, like out of paper and cardboard off of plans that he found on the internet and like building an engine and a remote control thing and going out and flying them. And it wasn't like, oh, I do this nerdy thing. It's kind of embarrassing. People are now just owning the nerdy shit that they love. I got real into like golf statistics. I don't care if you think that's dorky. I love it. So I guess there's that part of me that thinks, figure out whatever that super dorky thing is that you really love. The great part about the internet, you are going to be able to find a community of people who maybe are into that. And maybe that would be a good place to start. Like you want to make like a crocheted meme of something. You can find like six other people who are into crocheting memes especially coming out of COVID, maybe that's like a way to ease into like finding more people to talk to that are like-minded. And then out of that, I feel like the friends of mine that I have, like I have a friend who's going through a divorce and the dating app scene for him is a nightmare, but the people that he meets that he actually thinks are okay, he didn't meet through that. So I would say just like try to find a way to get out and into a group of like-minded people in person. That's my best advice. But again, I am a dummy. No, I think that's great advice. Donna, do you have thoughts on this idea? Like, what nerdy things are you into? Literally everything. Um, <laughs> just, you name it, I probably have talked to someone about it at some point. I used to do, like, Comic-Cons. I used to go out to concerts and everything. I went to a concert recently, and the one guy there that would not leave me alone, turns out he has an infant daughter that I was like, dude, no, just stop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Did he bring the infant daughter to a Metallica show? No. <laughs> he was by himself. His wife and his daughter were at home. Oh. I overheard him talking to someone else, and then he's come back talking to me. Kind of weird and creepy, and I don't know. But I do find and discuss a lot of books. I read a lot. I write stories, so I discuss things. But most of the people I gravitate to are females and gay guys. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so it just happens like that. I try, but I don't know. I tend to be very judgy because you cannot intonate on what you see online. And so I'm like, are you being sassy or are you being friendly? What's going on? That might also be like throwing up a little bit of a wall of defense, especially after going through what you've been through. As like a long time cynic who has been very judgmental about stuff in the past, there usually is just there for self-protection. So just make a little mental yeah. note of that. Yeah, Donna, I'm impressed that you recognize that element in yourself. That's a great start. Timothy, what do you think about the idea of giving or of actually getting compliments? I was told that most men don't receive very many. And when a woman compliments them, it usually catches them off guard. Kind of like a compliment outreach. Oh, that's a good idea. I think that that actually is nice. I will say that like 
you get sort of a lot of attention being in this business before any of this. If somebody just out of nowhere came up with a compliment that it was like, oh, my God. Wow. Thank you. Wow. OK. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there was one time like when I was like 23 I got like a nice compliment from someone who works at a bookstore and I was like, I'm done. Like, let's go. This is the best moment of my life. So yes, as somebody who has just been out in the world as a guy before, I would definitely say I keep it on the less lascivious side only because that can throw up some defenses. But yeah. But Donna, do you have a job where you are able to get out or do you work from home? I work from home except for one day a week. I am in the office. I do escrow. So most people I talk to are either dead or retiring. <laughs> They're selling their houses. Um, so yeah, I think that's the case for so many of us now that you can't really suggest meeting somebody through their work environment. The one person I used to flirt with at the office before we were shut down, shut down, has a girlfriend now. So <laughs> got, got themselves a COVID girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Washington, I'm going to throw this out there to say just because you mentioned reading and again, nerdy shit, find a good indie bookstore and see if they have readings, book discussion clubs, see if they have author events, stuff like that. It doesn't have that added pressure of like, oh, this is a singles mixer. Yeah, Right. You're already conversing. Yeah. You're in an environment where people are kind of expected and want to converse. Yeah. Would you be into that, Donna? Oh, totally. Totally. I had planned to do that before literally everything locked down. I had little book meetings listed on my calendar. Oh, So I awesome. could go. And then I get the email. No, we're closing them down. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I think that things are kind of opening up a little bit. They're going back, yes. I mean, we did have that concert a few weeks ago with rules and regulations, mm -hmm. of course. And it varies on the place. Yeah. And I do know a good couple of local bookstores that I probably should check out their online calendars now that yeah. you mention it. Do that. And again, like supporting an indie bookstore is always a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. And Donna, I do want you to be careful not to go back to passing judgment too quickly, you know? Yeah. I think that sometimes people will latch on to a single thing. I worked with a woman years ago who went out on a date and apparently her date ate off of her plate. I thought that was really charming. Yeah. But she was like, oh, and... <laughs> I guess it was emblematic of the mentality of like, oh, well, maybe you really don't want this or you're not ready for something. Yeah. So I think keeping open mind, open heart as you make your re-entry into the dating world, I think that will be beneficial to you. And I think try to have fun. I do think with the dating apps, because the pool is so large and it's exhausting and I hear people describe their dates as kind of boring, most of them, which I think means that there just isn't enough effort being put into exploring if this person is really interesting and right for you. I am also curious about the coworker that you were crushing hard on, because I do wonder if that guy is lingering in your mind more than your ex-husband. No, not really. Okay, good. We just constantly flirting at the coffee machine. I mean, yeah. that's just what we did. <laughs> and then they said, nope, everyone stay home. We had too many COVID incidents. So you guys are all at home now. And I mean, we just barely talk online because he went back home to Arizona, but then he got a girlfriend in Arizona. So well, let's get you a boyfriend in Washington. Sure. Let's. Yeah. <laughs>
although I'm open to anywhere in the country, I still have a free airline ticket lingering around somewhere. So <laughs> we got to get that used. Yeah. <laughs> Are your kids older? They're all adults except one. She's still in high school. Okay. Have you expressed to them any of this? And would you feel comfortable or would, would that be too weird? No, we're oddly like roommates, sort of. <laughs> we just label well, everything as ours and we just have <laughs> open discussions all the time. And they know, they know three of them are conspiring to find me the perfect person. But <laughs> it's like, I don't know what your methods are, <laughs> but they've been into it since like the moment their dad left. Oh, let's get you a date. I'm like, no, no. That's, we're that's not even- amazing though that they're so supportive. Yeah, yeah, they that's are. That's pretty great. And that they have your back. They're keeping their eye out. Yes. And they will definitely let me know if there is something wrong with anyone that I go out with. So that's got to be a word of warning on my disclaimer. <laughs> Which kid's your favorite? Um, who made me mad that day? <laughs> and it's not and it's them. Not that one. Okay. That's a good answer. That's, yeah. a good answer. <laughs> that's what I've been saying since they were little. It's like, who upset me today and who didn't? <laughs> that will give you my answer. But yeah, I love the idea of book clubs. Yeah. I just want someone that I have something in common with that maybe we can go hang out and go do stuff Mm -hmm. because people here just like, no, you like that. I don't want to go do that. You read all the time. I hate reading. This is why we got to get you to the readings at the bookstore. Yes. (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah. Definitely someone to, it doesn't even have to be romantic per se. I mean. You're just ready to meet new people. That's a great mindset to have. Just new friends and new experiences. Does all of this sound like a good plan? I appreciate the advice. I appreciate like an outsider's perspective because my BFF can say something and it's like, that doesn't quite fit with what I'm thinking. And someone else that I've talked to for years will be like, what about this? And I'm like, no, that doesn't fit with what I'm thinking. And people at work are, you should do this. And you guys gave me a different perspective than what the majority of people automatically go straight for. So I appreciate that. Do you think you are in a place where like you really want a relationship or do you want the experience of sort of casual dating? You know, I'm always open to everything. I'm not going to shut myself off should something magical happen. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just would prefer a slow ease back into what I call real life as opposed to let's jump in and go do all these things together. That's not me. I like to get to know someone. I like to make sure we have a lot of things in common and there's not something lurking underneath, especially, you know, the last one (laughs) is just... Always questioning everything. So I should have known better, but you know, sometimes your heart wants what it wants. And then you have kids, and it's like, this is what marriage is supposed to be. I stayed just because he said he would take the kids, and I didn't want him to have the kids. Oh, God. Wow. I just kept that and just stayed until we didn't. (laughs) I'm glad you're across the country now, if that's the case. And I would say that. Really, it just kind of seems like you have to get back out in the world, do things that you like doing without the thought of this is how I'll meet somebody. Just go start doing things that you like doing in the actual real world in front of people. And that's when that'll come up. And Seattle is nerd haven. It is. You could also just like go to Seattle, just like leave a trail of Magic the Gathering cards on the sidewalk (laughs) into whatever bar you're in and you'll be fine. (laughs) 
I don't do Magic the Gathering. All right, cool. So your Marvel <laughs> Champions tabletop card game, just leave a trail of those into the bar. Your Pokemon goes, and just everybody will be like, oh, catnip for all those Seattle nerds. Something like that, yes. <laughs> Donna, I'm excited for you, and I really do think it was just incredibly strong to be like, I'm removing myself now. I had to because I found myself crying for hours on end. Like he would just show up, hang out for four hours and leave. And then I would just find myself crying. And I said, I literally cannot do this anymore. I lived in Washington and I just kept thinking, it was such a nice place up there. I would just meet random people who would always be like, hey, cool this. And I could say, hey, cool that. And nobody thought... It was weird or outside of the box and it felt like home. So I came back and I brought everybody with me. So there's a guarantee that he won't show up. Awesome. It was a strong move. Yeah. So good for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Donna, I can't thank you enough and keep at it. You know, you might have to put just as much effort into this idea as you would a dating app. It'll just be more rewarding. And yes. you won't feel as shitty. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Definitely. You know, open mind, open heart. Yes. Thank you. At the very least, you'll make some really interesting new friends. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> who might know some people who are like, you know, maybe another divorced man with kids or something, you know? Definitely. Just not younger kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost free. Wait, <laughs> Donna. Open mind. Yes. Open mind. True. True. Very true. I apologize. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Donna, thank you so much. You are not alone. I feel like we've talked to a lot of people that are struggling with this same thing. Like, how do I meet people nowadays? Yes. What do you do? (laughs) Yes, but I I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for taking a moment to read my email. Scared and nervous and, you know, I'm like this shaking really hard, just trying to send it and type it. Because I just don't admit this stuff to people except maybe my best friend and someone I've known since 2009. So it, it means a lot. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing, too. And maybe as you get out there, you'll find yourself trusting people a little more. Yes. That could be a good side effect as well. Donna, thank you so very, very much. Have a good day, guys. Thank you so much. Bye, Donna. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Hi, Amber. Hi. Hi, Amber. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We are great. Thank you for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. So basically, I feel like I have a lot of friends who take like maybe at least a day to like text me back or sometimes longer. And it feels like, gosh, do you guys not care? Or is this kind of like our society now where you just are taking a long time to get back to friends? And these are people I consider like my best friends and I don't want to, you know, make a big deal. Like, why aren't you texting me back? So I haven't really brought it up because I don't want to seem like that. But also it hurts my feelings. And then on the other side, I notice that those people when I'm with them in person are like glued to their phones. So I'm like, I know that some people just aren't around their phone and they get busy, but these are people I think are like addicted to their phones. So I don't know if that's just like, Amber, I feel like you could be talking about me <laughs> totally. Oh, my God. But, okay, in your letter, you wrote, I noticed that my friends who are honestly addicted to their phones and are constantly on them are the ones that take maybe one to two days to respond. I wish it didn't hurt my feelings, but I find it hurtful or like I'm not important. So is there a specific friend like a few. Some are local, some are like childhood friends who like live out of state that I don't see as much. Um, I would say there's like five people in my life who do this. Mm. Not necessarily one more than the rest. You know, the ones who live far, you don't see them as much. But also it's like, since we don't talk as much, like every day, it is kind of like annoying. And then there's others, I see them every week. So it's like, okay, but I, I see you every week and we're like best friends. So get back to me. So I guess it's just different for each person, but. And you haven't told anyone that this is how you're feeling. I don't say anything because I know people are like that. And it's, I know people get busy. I forget sometimes to text people back. The only comment I've made is when we're in person and I'm like, okay, should I be on my phone? Because everyone's on their phone, you know? So I've kind of just done it that way. If they text me back, I'm not like, oh, you took forever. I just ignore it. That's really generous of you. I really appreciate my friends who, when I do eventually call them, they let me off the hook a bit. So I've had a couple of friends text me like, are you mad at me? Which is their way, I think, of saying, I'm mad at you right now because you're not texting me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like since they eventually do get back to me, I don't think they're mad at me. I don't, I think it is like a personality thing. And I have friends who do it and then I know they like forget their phone at home. They're that kind of person who just really doesn't care about their phone. And those people, I don't take it as personally. It's mainly like the ones where I'm like, I know you're on your phone 24-7, so are you just trying to be cool? Like, because today is like weird to text people back in a timely manner or, you know, so I don't know if I'm overreacting and it's like a lot of people are just like that. And I'm going to throw this out there that I saw a tweet a while ago that I thought was very funny, which was basically somebody saying... Hey, I just got your email. I will respond to this immediately or in six months. And there is no in between. I love that. And I do think that there is something to that idea that like, yes, we are on our phones 
all the time, which does mean that we are receiving far too much information all the time. And it seems like we should never miss a message. And there is also a thing of like, when you're on your phone, you're not actually actively using your brain. Like, let's say somebody that was going to text you back, all of a sudden that requires the thought yes. to do it. And it's like, you need to actually process thought and put it into action, which is not something you can do while on a phone. But I, I don't know, because I am a lot of times this person. I am on my phone a lot. It's very stupid and I shouldn't be. And I'm missing everything in my entire life. And I understand that. But I will throw this out there. And this will have like a little bit of a nihilistic bent in that if somebody's just taking advantage of your feelings or, you know, like truly like ignoring you sort of like on purpose in like some sort of strange power play way, like that's not good. That's not like a good, healthy relationship to have. But give people grace in the sense of like if they didn't text you back, like you never know what somebody else is going through. It is annoying when you're around people that are on their phones all the time. I would just say if you're hanging out with them, create a situation in which you force them to give them up. Like hiking? Or like invite them over to your house and make them put the phones in the bowl like Derek Jeter used to do. So he never got caught doing anything bad or cheating on his girlfriend. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's like, you can't have a phone in my apartment. And that Mm -hmm. way, nobody will ever take a picture of me in a compromising situation. Like do that. Like don't be a dick about it, but just be like, no, we're going phone free for the next half hour. And you'll get a five minute break where you get it. I love that. I love good rules like that. And that's the thing. I mean, like, if you really lean into it, it can, like, be fun. Let everybody know maybe ahead of time and get on board and just be like, look, we're just not going to do this. Like, we're just not going to do it for half an hour. And maybe that'll be a fun way to connect with people. But then also there is that part of me where I'm just like, you never know what else anybody else is going through. And I think, too, we're at such an odd time right now, too. Like, I have definitely lost touch. Like, I think early on in our quarantine, I was calling friends and having mm-hmm. long conversations like I used to do when my boy was an infant, you know, because you're stuck at home all day long. But then I stopped doing that. It felt like I don't have any new information to say. I kind of didn't want to converse as much. But I do think people are in an odd time right now where it feels like there should be new and exciting things happening again. But the train is leaving the station very, very slowly. Yeah. I don't know if this happened to you, Amber, but like there were some relationships with people that I liked, but when all this happened, it just kind of went away and it was kind of fine. (laughs) I guess what I'm asking is, are any of these people people that you can just let go? I wish it was. I think that's why it bothers me as they're not. These were like bridesmaids in my wedding. Oh, okay. Not even that long ago. You know, because, yeah, I probably wouldn't care. And now I'm at the age my friends are narrowed down that these are the people yeah. I would like to keep. Amber, when did you get married? In April. I feel like with a lot of people, there's a bit of like a December 26th effect after a wedding. Yeah. Like you've spent this time planning it, being excited. You're hanging with your girls. It's about your day. And then there's a little deflation feeling. So just keep that in mind, I think, too. But I would also, you know, if you see them in person and the timing is right, I would say, like, do you mind, like, if we, like, put our phones down for a second, approaching things with just kindness and gentleness, I would recommend against communicating in any kind of passive-aggressive way, like the are you mad at me's. Yeah. 
I sent a couple of those to Anna when she yeah, didn't, yeah. and she didn't even respond to those. And I know it's I because I was passive aggressive <laughs> about it. And so mistakes were made on my end and I own those. <laughs> but unfortunately, Amber, like, I think that this is our fucking world now. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why I haven't said anything. I, I'm like, I feel like this is just how it is. And I may be more of a sensitive person where I'm like, oh my God, they're reaching out. I really want to get back to them. Or, you know, I like to make people feel like important. And then I think I take it too personally. And so just try not to say anything and not let it get to me. But can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Are they in similar circumstances as you? Like you are married. I don't know if you have kids. Are they married? Do they have kids? Are you in similar life situations? We are. None of us have kids. But I'm the only one married. And sometimes I wonder, do they think we can't be friends now? Oh, that's interesting. That is the reason that I asked in that, especially if it's recent, I do kind of feel like there is a natural thing that happens with friends and acquaintances and even good ones that if big circumstances change, it just like sort of tilts the axis of a relationship, not necessarily in a bad way, but like in a way that if you're the only one of this friend group that's married, there isn't necessarily a common life experience right now. Like they can't really talk to you about what it is currently like to be single or, hey, can you go out? I want to go out on Friday night. Like, let's go do this. It has changed the nature of your relationship in that way. There's also other issues in terms of sometimes if somebody covets something that you have, then it kind of brings you down to be reminded of it all the time. Like, you know, so maybe some jealousy issues. Is there a way, Amber, that you could start a group text with your bridesmaids and say, like, I would love to plan a girl's weekend? Yeah. And do it when there's no cell service. Do it somewhere <laughs> where, like, find an Airbnb that, like, does not have Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like my only hesitancy is like everyone lives in different places and it was like hard enough to plan like bachelorette and yeah. well in pandemic, you know, but I, yeah, I would love that ultimately. Were you guys able to go on a honeymoon? We're about to go. Yeah. Invite all those people to your honeymoon. <laughs> okay. Problem solved. <laughs> I came here to fix shit. I didn't come here yeah, I to know. offer some weak stuff. I came here to fix it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good that you're going to be able to get away. And are you looking forward to it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do think like the time of isolation for some of us was lonely and boring and for other people, incredibly stressful. But we did sort of become because we couldn't see each other, sort of insulated. Yeah. And some of us, like me, are having a hard time breaking out of that. So just keep that in mind that everyone's at these weird places in life and like start casually planning a weekend, like maybe a road trip or whatever is kind of practical without too much pressure. Yeah. Then it'll be great because you'll be able to reconnect with them. And also because you'll be able to communicate about something exciting that you guys are all looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I kind of feel like it is it is the world that we live in now. And I think that people will sort of reemerge kind of at their own pace. I do think if your friends are a little bit jealous that you're married and they're not, or for some reason you represent the pressure to get married, you just have to be patient with them, you know? We put so much pressure on ourselves with weddings 
it was an awesome day. Your friends were there to support you, but you probably won't be friends with these people for the rest of your life. It's just the way life works. And it's okay. It's just what happens. Anyway, so those would be my recommendations. Yeah. Like phone call, tentatively planning a getaway, and patience. And I really like Timothy's idea of a party with phones in the bowl. Yeah. There's a phone box that has like a little timer that you can turn, and it's like a half an hour, and everybody's phones are locked in there. Yeah. I don't know where I heard this, that some people do at dinner. Everyone puts their phone in the middle. Whoever touches it first has to pay the bill. Oh, that's such a great idea. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that idea. That's reminding me of your idea. And I forgot about that. It's a great idea. Because, yeah, we all get that way. And I think I'm intentionally, yeah. like, put my phone down when my friends are around. But not everybody is thinking that way. And it's a good way to make it fun. I'm really glad you're going on a honeymoon. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Where are you going? Um, I'm going to Kenya, Zanzibar, and the Seychelles. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. You're going to kill elephants and giraffes? <gasps> oh, my God. And illegally uh, <laughs> smuggle the the skins back in. That's no. so incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've given you two really good uh, uh, yes. teasers. Clickbaits. Yeah. You invited the wrong person into this yeah. conversation. I'm so sorry. I love the hint of Jonah. <laughs> but I think it is just rad you're going on this amazing trip. <laughs> I'll throw this out there, too. I do feel like people sometimes only think about you as part of a couple and you don't get to do these things that you used to do when you were single because then you also are now involved with this other person. You have to maintain that relationship. There's a lot of work that goes into that. So marriage can, in a way, be kind of lonely because whatever time you were using to meet somebody or go on dates or whatever or plan a wedding is now just time that you now have off. So like in a way, even though your friends might not think this, like you are sort of in a lonelier situation in which like you have a little bit more free time and they are all still out there. So there's that. And I would also just say the other thing of like, I would agree with Anna because every time anybody's ever come up to me with like the, Hey, how come you didn't return my text so quickly? I was like, man, fuck off. (laughs) So I would say, yeah, I think the nice way of saying that is give them some grace. (laughs) No. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think I was wondering like, is this, just my friends or is this no it's everybody no it's everybody it's everybody it sucks yeah i don't think we communicate as well either you know yeah Yeah. totally we've lost a little bit of meaningful conversation yeah i think Mm -hmm. yeah so you know keep all that all that stuff in mind (laughs) oh but amber (laughs) the best news is that you get to go on your honeymoon yeah africa to the station bad news for giraffes Yeah. Great news for Amber. I love this doubling down. <laughs> Amber, I hope you have a fantastic time. Thank you. And do know that you're not alone. I think we've had a few listeners write us about this very same thing. Mm. So you're not alone and we're all guilty. At least I'm guilty for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amber. Have a fabulous time. Thank you. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. Bye, Amber. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Nice to meet you. Bye. Nice to meet you guys. Timothy, have you been to Africa? Um, no, I have never been to Africa because 
like when I was like in Chicago, like broke actor style, I didn't prioritize travel in any way because I was like, oh, that's too hard. It costs too much money. So you don't even look to find out that tickets actually, if you are willing to sit in the back of the plane, they aren't that expensive. Or if you just saved up for a while and planned it, but I was bad at that. So any traveling that I've done has kind of always been because I got cast in something and then I sort of got to travel, but when I got to travel, it was all for work. So, you know, someday I'd love to go. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Is it slightly bittersweet to have like been a part of the best show <laughs> that's ever been made? You know, no, it isn't. That's very flattering that you say that. I love that people have that reaction to it. I was inside of it, so I can't judge it in that way. But I can say that there is absolutely no downside to having had been there. It had to end. It ended at the right time and it needed to because like, what is it going to go on for 40 years? What is it going to go on till I retire? And then I would want it to be over. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And also like, if you look around in the world that we live in, like content wise, I don't feel like it's trapping. Like it might've been to have been on a really successful comedy in the 70s. And it's just like, well, that's it. Like, you know, right. we don't see you as anything else. That's kind of over. There's too much stuff. There's too much stuff that's being made to ever trap anybody in anything because like, they're like, we're making so much shit. We need everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? All hands on deck. All hands on deck. So yeah, like I miss it. Timothy, before I let you go, will you tell us about your podcast really quickly? Oh yeah, so Matt Walsh, who's on the played Mike McClintock, he and I are doing like a Veep rewatch podcast that we just started that we plan to do during the pandemic when we had all sorts of free time. And it felt nice to think about this previous world, but did not start until everything started opening back up. And now we're like trying to manage schedules. It's called Second in Command. It's a Veep rewatch. And we're just going through episode by episode and talking about the show and trying to remember stuff that happened. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been challenging. I bet I don't have a great memory. I think one of the things that was nice is that it was such an insane experience creation-wise. And I think unlike a lot of other shows, we had so much of a creative voice in it from a very early time that changed so much that like people that are fans of it, like if you are a fan of the show or if you're just like a person who likes comedy nerd stuff, we really are able, I think, to go in and talk about like how chaotic the production was and like how that affected the creation of the show, how individual moments were created, what got cut from scripts, you know, like the rehearsal process that we had. Like, it's actually kind of fun to go back and talk about that. I can't wait. Can we listen to it now? Yeah, we've only released a couple episodes. I think we we just had Tony Hale on to talk about episode two, which is the one about frozen yogurt. But yeah, so like we're just starting out. So there are a bunch of episodes left to go. Second in command. Second in command, yeah. Timothy, thank you so much. This is so great. Thanks for having me on. You're just awesome. I can't thank you enough for spending time with us and giving great advice. It was so great seeing you. Great to see you too. Bye, Timothy. Bye.